The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week, and I am joined by my co-host, Dave. How's it going, Dave? I'm doing great, Ryan. How are you doing, man? I'm doing very well. Yeah, I, you seem like it. I, I'm, I'm in a good mood. I, I feel rested. We started late again, so I'm not tired. I kind of like the starting late thing. Let's make that a thing. This is actually the first time I've woken up late in like maybe three months. And by late, I mean nine o'clock, even though it's my body woke up at seven o'clock anyway. Isn't that one of the worst things about basically being an adult is, you know, when we were in college, we used to sleep until like 11, 1130. Now, now because we have to get up early for work every day, our bodies won't let us do that. Yeah. It sucks, which I guess for you, 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 you know, I think your body's just getting you ready for uh, maybe a child because now you're married. So, you know. What are you, every other person in my life? <laughs> so, uh, Ryan, now you're married. Huh? Congratulations. Get the pitter patter of the feet. So, uh, when you uh, can have some kids, eh? You and, the, you and the old wife can have uh, some kids, right? I don't know, John Ratzenberger. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, yeah. It's nice to be in the show, right? And, uh, did I even tell you about the time uh, I got married and had kids? No. Yeah, that was a really great story, right? Yeah. So uh, we went over to Niagara Falls, right, to get married. Okay. And uh, well, we actually did it in 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 the in the falls. No one uh, told me otherwise. You con- like you consummated in the falls. No, right. The, the, don't be crazy. You, ch- you had the child in the don't falls. No, no, no. We got married in the falls. Right? Oh, sorry. Yeah. You were, you, you were sort of not clear, uh, John Ratzenberger, on what you meant by did it. No, no, no It was the marriage, right? Don't, 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 don't be silly. All right, come on. It's a family show. All right, family show. That's right. That's right. Anyway, it was the happiest and worst day of my life because as soon as she said I do, she got swept away by the falls. So, oh, uh, man. Haven't <laughs> seen her since. That's rough. But uh, the other part you're probably wondering is, well, where are the kids coming? Well, there's a swell broad just walking down the lane. <laughs> And I figured, well, I got to do something. Wow. John Ratzenberger really gets over grief quickly. Oh, yeah, right. You know, back when Superman 2, <laughs> really, you really learned a lot. <laughs> how many people do you think listening? Like, if you had to take a poll, how many people? Like, well, Ryan, I, I'm not sure if you want to take a poll. I mean, uh, they, they, they probably just want to stay in uh, Poland, Ryan. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's kidnapping, Ryan. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's good. Wait, wait, wait. Do I have the drum here? Yes, I do. There you go. Nice Boy, that's job, the sort John. of production values that Richard Lester used on Superman 2, right? <laughs> he did other stuff. Anyway, how many people in the audience know, like, because there's two groups here, okay? There's one group saying, I know who John Ratzenberger is. I think his impression is funny. And then you have the other group that's going, why is the pig from Toy Story on the podcast right now? Well, also, actually, Ryan, if you remember, I was a rebel trooper in, uh, in the Hoth that uh, Empire Strikes you ha- Back. You did have a very brief role in Empire Strikes Back, yeah. John Ratzenberger. But also Superman too. <laughs> if you remember, I was part of Mission Control when the astronauts said uh, they saw a girl. You did? And then he said, oh, I thought a curl. Then I said, what's a curl? You were on Cheers, John Ratzenberger. You've done bigger stuff. What? Right, I don't know what you're talking about. Superman 2, now in theaters. <laughs> so, if you want more glorious content like this, and you love the stuff that we're doing around here, you Ooh, can yes. rate, review, and subscribe to the Break the Business podcast uh, on our various platforms, including uh, SoundCloud mm-hmm. and iTunes. iTunes. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Follow Dave on Twitter at... At MetalDave85. That's a good name. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also on Facebook. You go to Break the... <laughs> search for... What? That's a good name. Yeah. It is. It's, it's cool. It's much better than your yeah. old name. That's a, hey, yeah. you can That's a good name. search That's Break really the name. Business on Facebook, and you can find us there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have any show questions, show topics, anything like that, you can email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. Uh, we actually have a new email address on the way, but it's not ready yet. So. Oh, okay. Also, show tunes. Show tunes? Yeah, show questions, show ideas, show tunes. <laughs> Just show tunes. Yeah. Show tunes. Now you're going to have people emailing us with lyrics to Hamilton. Oh, that'd be cool. That would be cool. Did you see he's leaving? I did. Mr. Uh, He's gotten a little too big for his britches now. I know. He's already on to the next project, next adventure. You know, but that's just, that's, that's, that's what happens. And these people that, you know, they, they enter the, uh, the popular world of Broadway, 
the money-making behemoths of Broadway yeah. that just churn out household names of Broadway. <laughs> I mean, do you remember? I mean, the guy from Guys and Dolls. That guy, man. That guy. Oh, wait. Is Guys and Dolls on Broadway? It, I mean, 50 years ago, probably. Oh. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, Lin, we should try to get Lin-Manuel Miranda. That'd be a good get. Or so, no, under your twisted rationale, we can't have him on the show. Why? Well, because he's successful and he, you know, has like contracts and we have. There's nothing wrong with having successful artists on this show. I like Lin Manuel Miranda because he became successful creating his own product and you know shepherding it all the way to the top. Like it would, like he is the very definition of the kind of people, the kind of entrepreneurial spirited folks we'd have on this podcast. Or actually, should we have Ron Cherno instead? Who's that? The author of the biography Hamilton, the Alexander Hamilton, that this, this show is based on. Oh, of course. I had that on the top of my head. All right, go. But we do have some good guests uh, today. And I say guests plural because, man, we went crazy with the guests this week. So yeah. uh, coming up later in this segment, we're going to have Eric Gardner, the senior editor of The Hollywood Reporter. He's going to talk to us about a litigation involving Philip Phillips. We'll talk about that more in a second. In the next segment, we got Megan Golden, a terrific indie country singer based out of Nashville, Tennessee. If you're the indie, if you're the kind of indie artist out there who is interested in crowdfunding, maybe you want to use the Pledge Music platform, which is a great platform, or you're an indie artist who's in college or in school or in some kind of educational environment and wants some tips on how to balance your music career with, you know, staying ahead of the, you know, your classes and doing well with your professors, you're going to want to stick around for this Megan Golden interview. She's great, she's fun. Nice. I feel like she gets our style. Okay. Cool. Yeah, you know, when I was talking to her before like she didn't take herself too seriously. I think it's going to be good. That, that definitely helps with us then. Yes, it does. <laughs> we got a little bit of entertainment law talk this week, which means we get to play our favorite clip. <sighs> Yay. Why did you judge me? You killed innocent people. The means to an end. You started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. Law. Thank you, Mr. Asante. Law. <laughs> and at the center of the law this week is 2012 American Idol winner Philip Phillips. Law. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, we've actually talked about him on the show in some cases because I think you had an issue with his name. Oh, yeah. I mean, he needs to make a choice. <laughs> you can be Philip or Phillips, but you can't put them together. Right. Would it, would it be crazy if I told you that was actually his name? Like he didn't like he didn't make that his movie, his singing star name. Like his name is birth name, Philip Phillips. So his parents are bad people. That does seem kind of a rough thing to do to your child. Yeah. But he's a big star now, so maybe it works. Anyway. Is he? Is yeah. He? Is he really? Yeah. Okay. I would say as far as American Idol winners go in terms of like if you were gonna make a <laughs> if you're gonna make a ranking of like American Idol winners in terms of like, you know, you know, from a scale of Taylor Hicks at the bottom to Kelly Clarkson on the top, uh-huh. uh he's probably number three or number four. Because what you have Kelly Clarkson, K- Carrie, uh, Carrie Underwood. Underwood. And then you get like into the, I don't know who else won that thing. There's another name like, did Daughtry win or was he like in fifth place? Either I way, don't know. but that's the thing. People who didn't win are more famous than people that won. That often happens. Yeah, I, I know Clay Aiken still, and I know Ruben Studdard. I don't know who Phil Phillips is. Ruben Studdard did win. He beat Clay Aiken. Oh, no, yeah. you're American Idol, man. I never watched that show. That was dumb. <laughs> so, America. So you got Philip Phillips, and since January of 2015, he's actually been involved in a bit of a legal mess. Uh, he, uh, like all the American Idol winners, he has a management deal with 19 Entertainment, which is like the management arm of the American Idol cloud of doom that they got going <laughs> on there. And he brought a lawsuit against 19 Entertainment under the Talent Agencies Act. Um, which we've talked about on this show before. In California, if you're acting as a talent agent without being a licensed talent agent, which means you're booking gigs for an artist without being a licensed agent, uh, you can get into a heap of trouble, and whatever contract that you have can be voided. And so Philip Phillips brings 19 Entertainment to the California Labor Commissioner uh, in January 2015. And that, that case is working its way through the courts, or through the commissioner, this administrative proceeding, and obviously, Phillips's hope is that the con, you know, this management deal with 19 Entertainment can get voided because he says, among other things, that one, they're booking gigs for him without a license, which is a no-no. Right. And two, that they are breaching breaching fiduciary duties to him. Basically, they're not putting him first. Like they're they're they have conflicting interests, which are right. 
and uh, I think, affecting his ability to manage, which is also a no-no. And I think what you said, you, you gave me an example that um, they had him do a performance for free for whether well, it was JetBlue. JetBlue. When they were trying to get JetBlue as a sponsor for American Idol. That's right. So basically, it was just pimping him out. Or just, okay, you're going to do this for us. It has absolutely no benefit to you. Right. And if that's indeed the case, that there's you know no benefit to Philip Phillips, like that would be another no-no. And so that's going through the system right now. And what I think this case illustrates is the kind of messes that artists can get into with big labels, big management companies, particularly with these singing contest TV shows, which we've talked about on the podcast before, is mostly being pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and what this case also talks about is how messy it can be to try to even fight for your rights in the courts if you feel like that company's mistreating you. You know, it's, you know, so let's say you're even being wronged and you feel like you know you're being wronged and it's like, well, okay, I'm going to take you to court because you're wronging me. Mm-hmm. And even that can be complicated. And what we're going to talk about now this week is that the case has gotten even more complicated because now 19 Entertainment, which is going through bankruptcy, just brought a breach of contract suit against Philip Phillips saying that they're withholding money, and it's just made the thing a lot messier. Well, n- now we're basically in a 1L Civ Pro class. Yeah, to figure and, out like which case goes first. And, and yeah, this is almost... Remember, was it Eerie? Eerie Doctrine, yeah. That awful uh, <laughs> stuff we had to learn in Civ Pro. Mm-hmm. This is, I, I have a feeling this could be like a new Civ Pro thing because of the fact you have a contract case. Because we were talking about, I'm not licensed in the state of New York, so I don't know how their procedures work any differently in terms of like their state court proceedings, whatnot. But you have this company going through bankruptcy, basically rolling up saying, okay, well here we have a future lawsuit or a lawsuit that's basically going to be like an asset of ours. That's part of part of what we got going for bankruptcy. And now the bankruptcy court is going to hear that. Right. And now the commission is going to say, or they're going to hear that before the commission which, you know, usually doesn't happen, you said. Yeah. You know. And it this just seems really awful. And I have a feeling Philip Phillips is probably gonna be screwed. Yeah, it's it's a real mess. And he's being sued in this New York proceeding by the management company for six million dollars. That's and a lot. Yeah. So that's one of the things you get yourself into with these big companies is even if you feel like you're being wronged, if you try to fight for your rights, it could still cost you six million dollars. <laughs> And that's not even counting all of the legal fees that Philip Phillips is going to be racking up trying mm-hmm. to litigate these, this two-front war, essentially, with California's labor commissioner and this federal bankruptcy court in New York. Yeah. Anyway, it's a big mess, and thankfully, we don't have to sort it out on our own. Oh, thank uh, God. Right. On the line now is Eric Gardner from The Hollywood Reporter, senior editor who's going to help us uh, sort this mess out. Eric, thanks so much for being on with us. Uh, happy to, to, to join Oh, terrific. Uh, I feel like you get all the biggest stories, man. Every time I open up The Hollywood Reporter and go right to uh, THRESQ, there's always another big story from you. Are you just camping out outside of uh, Los Angeles courthouses waiting for the next story to come in? Admit it. I wish, but uh, I have my trade secrets. But I, I, I certainly work hard to, to find these stories, and when they pop, uh, they're always uh, quite interesting and, and make headlines. Well, all of us uh, entertainment law dorks out there very much appreciate the work you do. So on June 2nd, you helped break a crazy story involving Philip Phillips and his management company, 19 Entertainment. We got a a pretty messy issue here. We got a case in California. We got a case in New York. Philip Phillips could stand to lose $6 million if his management company gets their way. Help us sort things out for us. What's going on? Yeah, well, uh, 19 Entertainment, which is the producer and owner of American Idol, has been in a bit of a feud with Philip Phillips for I'd say over 18 months now. Um, they're at a standoff. Uh, you know, when uh, American Idol winners uh, would would prevail, and even if they didn't prevail, uh, they're they're forced to sign over lots of rights: uh, the right to to manage their careers, uh, publishing rights, uh, recording rights, and uh, you know that's kind of the cost of you know doing business on a, on a big competition show. Uh, but uh, Philip Phillips has, has uh, asserted uh, the right to, to get out of his contract uh, using a, a, a you know kind of a quirk of uh, of California law. 
And, uh, you know, that's been uh, the subject of, of a dispute before the California Labor Commissioner for, for about 18 months. Now, what's happened in, in, the rec- in the last month is that 19 entertainments, after American Idol uh, broadcast its final season, uh, declared bankruptcy. And, uh, you know, that bankruptcy stopped what was going on at the California Labor Commissioner. And now uh, uh, American Idol's producer is, is trying to collect money from Philip Phillips, saying that, that he's wrongfully withheld a million dollars, plus they want $5 million more for, for uh, damages for breach of contract. Going back to the California Labor Commissioner case, what are some of the things that Philip Phillips alleged that 19 Entertainment did that violated this Talent Agencies Act? Sure. Well, uh, first of all, the, the 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 Talent Agency Act says that only licensed agents can procure uh, uh, employment for for clients, and and that is uh, especially troublesome for those in the management community because uh, they tend to do things like you know making bookings for, for, for their clients. And, you know, when it comes time to, uh, for commissions, if there's any dispute, uh, the, the star can, uh, you know, initiate, uh, proceedings and, and, and try to claim that their manager is, 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 uh, acting as an unlicensed agent here. Uh, this goes beyond, beyond that. Not only is, uh, Philip asserting that, 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 uh, 19 entertainment, you know, is, 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 uh, Basically, um, making employment situations for him, but he's also asserting that that you know they breached fiduciary duties to him. They, he says that you know he's been forced to play uh, you know uh, gigs that are of only benefit to to nineteen and not to him. You know uh, sponsorship deals. Uh, you know uh, you know a, a concert gig with with, with Jeff Lou to try to convince Jeff Lou to be a sponsor on uh, uh, on American Idol's live tour. Oh. He says that you know he wouldn't do that if it wasn't for the fact that he was basically ordered to by by, by his managers. So wow, so so you got these two different cases here, and as you noted, this labor commissioner case involving the Talent Agencies Act, uh, in which Phil Phillips is trying to basically make that contract go away, has been paused for this uh, bankruptcy breach of contract proceeding in New York. Uh, doesn't that seem backwards? I mean, hypothetically, if California were to declare this management contract void, then there really wouldn't be any breach of contract suit for New York to deal with. Wouldn't it make more sense for the California case to be sorted out first? Oh, this is this uh you know, makes a legal nightmare situation. <laughs> what typically happens in these talent agency cases is that there's a lawsuit that happens and then a petition is filed at the labor commissioner and the lawsuit is paused because you're exactly right. You want to figure out whether whether the contract is void or not before uh, it actually, uh, you know, gets litigated. But the problem in this case is that, that bankruptcy has its own uh, provisions where if you file bankruptcy, uh, all the... Uh, all the lawsuits and litigation that's happening against you get it gets paused. So, so there's about to be a, a big uh, uh, dispute about you know which takes priority here, whether it's uh, the bankruptcy provisions or whether it's uh, the jurisdiction of the labor commissioner. Uh, and uh, you know, honestly, I have no idea which way this is going to go, but it's going to be the subject of some court fighting in the next coming months. I know you reported on a lot of different lawsuits involving. Uh, very big recording artists, and based on your experience with those suits, uh, how do you think this litigation will ultimately affect Philip Phillips's career? Uh, well, you know that's a that's an interesting question. I mean, uh, I think that you know. I think many idol stars have have kind of suffered. There's you know there's a couple, the Carrie Underwoods and the Kelly Clarksons, who've 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 you know managed to do good past the show. I think Philip Phillips was on track to to being one of those those big stars, um, and I I kind of think that the legal situation has hindered his career um, to some extent. I guess the question is. Um, you know, at some point after this whole legal saga plays out, uh, will will people still be interested in him? In, in some respects, you might argue that having artistic freedom and the ability to uh, to really you know do things on his own 
might might benefit him. On the other hand, you know, time might be the biggest problem. You know, if if this if this thing really does last five or six years, are people going to remember Philip survey? You know, are are fans going to stick by him and and you know really want to see what what he's capable of doing next? So. Um, you know, he, he'll lose a little bit of benefit that comes with, you know, um, the great promotion that he's had over the last few years. Um, but, you know, there's other factors that, that, that I suppose are, are more important to him at this, at this moment. You can find out, you can find more of all of Eric Gardner's fantastic reporting on the THR Esquire blog at HollywoodReporter.com. Eric, you really are the best at what you do. Thank you so much for being on with us. We'd love to have you on again real soon. I appreciate it. Look forward to that. Man, just a brutal situation for Philip Phillips. He's now fighting a two-front war with his management company on two different coasts. And it's just it's just sort of a lesson for artists to learn about the kind of companies you can mix yourself up with, these big entertainment companies who can make things tough for you when you try to advocate for your rights. And also, when you do get in litigation with them, they have a lot more litigation resources than you do. Yeah, yeah, they do. And can really just sweat you out like... Ultimately, I think this is going to end in a settlement, probably one that's not very favorable to Philip Phillips, because 19 Entertainment has the money to basically, you know, attrition him into giving up. Right. And, you know, but although I guess because it's, it's weird, so then part of it has to be like, all right, well, I need to hold out hope that the California Commission essentially will say all this was null and void anyway. But then if he's been forced to pay out something, I'm pretty sure the other side will be like, okay, file a suit to get your money. Well, that's the other thing, right? Because, you know, the California Labor Commissioner has already paused the suit. And so they have to go through the, the breach of contract suit. And, you know, maybe if the label wins some money and then the Labor Commissioner says, never mind, the contract's void, right? That's another lawsuit for him to get his money back. What a mess. Um, but let's discuss happier things with an independent artist who's definitely on the rise. We got Megan yes. Golden coming up in the next segment on uh, the... I was going to say, she's a golden guest. It's not like a funny thing. It was just it was paying her a compliment. I don't know. Fine, Ryan. Whatever. You're going to edit this Our out. Our golden guest, Megan Golden. <laughs> just for that, I'm not going to edit it out. Okay, fine. Good. I dare you. Our golden guest, Megan Golden, coming up on the Break the Business Podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business Podcast. She is a country pop singer, songwriter, and college student based out of Nashville, Tennessee. 360 Mag says of her music that it has charisma intermixed with good production and lyrics. You can check out her website at megangolden.com and you can support her current crowdfunding campaign by visiting pledgemusic.com slash megangolden. Ladies and gentlemen, Megan Golden is on the Break the Business Podcast. Megan, thanks so much for being on with us. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, uh, our pleasure. I, I was just looking at your Twitter profile, Megan, and I love <laughs> that the first line of your Twitter profile says, yes, Golden is my real name. Man, <laughs> you basically can't be anything other than a recording artist with a name that awesome. Actually, someone, when I was like seven years old, before I really sang that much, someone was like, you have to do something in like the entertainment industry. You have to sing or act or something with that name. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll learn to sing. <laughs> See, I envisioned it differently. Like I, I envision the five or six-year-old Megan Golden going to her parents and saying, mom, dad, I really want to be a doctor. And they go, what? <laughs> we did not give you the coolest last name in the history of music for you to go be a doctor. Right, and exactly. Then, you know, your dad's like yelling at you. Your mom's crying in the corner. It's okay, honey. It's okay. She's she's young. She'll learn. That's, that's exactly what happened, actually. <laughs> Just kidding. There was never, I knew doctor was not going to work out for me from the beginning. <laughs> oh, music. well. Well, music's great for you. I, I was listening to a performance of yours on your Pledge Music site, and, and you have a terrific voice. You sound great. Can you tell people a little bit about your music? 
Yeah. So, um, I really enjoy country, but I also really enjoy pop music. So it's kind of a blend, which I think a lot of country music is nowadays a blend, but I'm really heavily influenced by a lot of like older country artists. Like my favorite artist of all time is Johnny Cash, Yeah. but I still, yeah, he's like the bomb. I was just at the Johnny Cash museum yesterday, but I'm there probably every day, (laughs) but, um, I just love him a lot. So I'm influenced by a lot of older country people, but also a lot of like the newer country and some pop. So I do have some pop elements in my stuff for sure. Um, I'm not going to deny that, but yeah, it's just a little mixture of both, I guess. I love it. And you're also a student at Belmont University, uh, one of my favorite places because it's just an amazing cultivator of fantastic musicians right there in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, we've had other Belmont students on the show before, including Zach Biss and Rebecca Reed, both uh, terrific classmates of yours. Uh, and I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked them, because uh, it must be quite a challenge to balance moving your music career forward while also trying to earn your college degree at the same time in a, in a pretty rigorous program at Belmont. Yeah. And I imagine that we have some listeners out there who are trying to achieve that same balance, who, who are also musicians, who are also college students. Uh, do you have any tips for them on how you kind of keep the schedule from uh, overwhelming you? Yeah, basically just trying to like actually use a planner. Like I used to never, ever use a planner and keep track of my own schedule. But when you start, when you're doing school, you have to plan like, I need this time to study and I can't do anything else with that time. So I had to like schedule in study time and also schedule in time for me to write myself because I was actually working also on top of that a couple of times a week. So I was working and going to school and playing multiple nights a week. So it got kind of crazy at one point, but just like really being intentional about like, this is a day that I'm going to write. This is a day that I'm going to study yeah. and, you know, like really keeping track of my schedule Um, And like using every moment for something productive instead of just sitting in my room and, you know, watching YouTube videos like I tend to do too much. So it sort of made you almost have to grow up faster than some of your fellow (laughs) college students. Yeah, because the funny thing is, is like when you go from high school to college, you actually have so much more free time than in high school, like that you're not in class, you know, but there's so much other stuff going on and you have to kind of plan like your own study time yourself um, and all that. So yeah, just being more intentional and being a little more grown up about, you know, I can't go hang out with friends tonight because I've got things I need to get done. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and so I guess just, you know, I, I can't think of be- a better place to kind of get your career moving uh, than Nashville, Tennessee. I mean, there's so many different yeah. places to play and there's a ton of different creators and music industry professionals there. Uh, what's it like sort of getting gigs in Nashville? Do you have any sort of tips or tricks that you use to, uh, you know, get a steady playing schedule going in that city? My tip is to never turn down a show ever um, because there's lots of there are so many places to play in Nashville. And when I first started, I literally just I was 15 when I started playing out. So my mom was like, you know, she's very supportive, but she was also like, I'm not like a stage mom. Like, I'm not your booking agent, you know, like you need to do it yourself. So if you like really want to do it. So I was like, okay. So I made a spreadsheet and just started like sending out emails to every place. I mean, you can Google, you know, venues in Nashville and it'll all come up all their contact information. So I just started emailing a bunch of places. And a lot of these places are like little tiny places. Nobody's there, but different shows lead to other shows always. Like most of the places I play now, I only got that gig because of other shows that I played before. So it's everyone knows each other in this town. So someone who books at one place might know somebody who books at another place. And it's all just, you know, never turn down anything. Cause even if the show itself is not that great of a show, it might lead to something, um, better and more helpful to you. Oh, that's so, that's so rock and roll of you. The just having Excel <laughs> spreadsheets out and know. You know, crunching numbers. No, I love it. It's great. And the hard work has paid off for you. You recently received a nomination for best artist at the WOBA awards. Congrats for that. Uh, can you tell Thank the folks a bit about what that awards are? Yeah. So it's during CMA fest week, which, um, I'm sure most people know what that is, but you know, just a big country music festival kind of thing that happens in Nashville and there's lots of music everywhere. So throughout the week, they do interviews. So I'm going to be doing an interview on the Thursday of CMA Fest week down at BB King's close to Broadway. 
Um, and they'll do interviews all through the week with just a ton of artists here in Nashville and even some that are traveling into Nashville to do it. And then the last day they do an award show and some people will play songs and they'll give out awards. People have been voting for a really long time. Um, so just whoever has most votes in all the different categories is going to win the award. So it's, it's a pretty cool thing. I'm excited to do it. A lot of my friends in the music industry are doing it. So I'm pumped about it. Well, that's awesome. And you know, best artists, I mean, that's a great nomination. And so this is a public vote. So people can go out and vote for you. Where can they vote? Okay. So I've got links on all my social media sites because it is kind of a long URL, but if you go to the christopprogram.com, you can find it through there. But if you want a more specific link that will take you exactly to like the exact page to vote. Um, then I've got, you know, links up on my Twitter and all kinds of Facebook, all that stuff. So here's the thing. I think you're going to do great in the voting just by virtue of the fact that you have an amazing voice and you do so many things that are awesome in your career, but I don't want to leave this to chance. I want to rig this. I I want (laughs) to stuff the virtual ballot box and get all the people listening and let's, let's get Megan on the top of this award. Let's do this. I'm down to rig it. I mean, yeah. Whatever you got to do. <laughs> all right, good. I'm, I'm glad that we're both on board with taking all the underhanded measures we can think of to yeah, get you exactly. on that podium. I'm loving this. Just don't play this interview for, you know, the people who are in charge. That's of right. The awards, well, so they might snatch it back. <laughs> they'll be like, man, you're getting a lot of votes from the Miami area. I didn't know country music was big down there. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, we do what we can. That's right. You know, you're spreading the word. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you also have a Pledge Music campaign up and running uh, to, help, to help get your first EP out there. Pledge Music, a really cool crowdfunding platform. I recommend artists use it all the time. Uh, can you talk a bit about how Pledge Music works? So the way Pledge Music works is you set a goal of you know how much money you need to raise to be able to do your project. And then once you set the goal, it, the cool thing that I love about Pledge Music is it's not just people are giving money to it. They get things in return if they pledge to your campaign. So for example, on my campaign, I have a store where you can, you know, pre-order the physical copy of the EP, or you can pre-order a t-shirt, there's signed photos. You can get like a cover song dedicated to you, all kinds of like a wide range of stuff. So people can do that to help you reach your goal and everything they pledge goes towards your goal. Um, and then once you reach 100%, then you can end your campaign and then start sending out, you know, the items and whatever. Uh, it's a really cool thing. Cause also they do updates along the way. So everyone who's pledged to my campaign in any way from the smallest donation to the biggest, they all get to see these videos I've been making, just keeping people updated on how the recording process is going, what songs I'm picking, you know, even letting them be a part of the decision of like what photo is going to be on the cover of the EP and all that fun stuff. So it just kind of lets people be a little bit more involved since they're, you know, the reason that you get to make it anyways, they're helping to fund it. And also, you know, they're the people who are listening to your music. So it's a cool platform for sure. I definitely recommend it of all the different crowdfunding things there are. So people who are going to get their new, their hands on this new EP, uh, what are they in for? What kind of sound are we looking at? Well, um, it is a wide range. I did mention, um, you know, that there, I am heavily influenced by lots of, different, just mainly country and pop, but just there is a wide range of that. So on the EP, there is a song on there that is very, very pop sounding. Um, and then there's a song on there that is very like almost just like traditional country sounding. So there's a wide range and it's kind of, I kind of struggled with that. I I wasn't really sure if I should do that because, you know, you, you are always told you got to pick a sound and like have a specific sound. Um, but for me, that's, that's like what I listen to and that's what I would, that's just what I write, you know? So I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to put out what I think are my best songs. And if there's some that are way more pop than others, then that's fine. And if there's some that are way more country than others, that's fine. So it's kind of a wide range. I'm still, I guess, narrowing in my sound. So it's kind of an exploring thing, but my favorite CDs of all times are ones that kind of have a wide range of music on them. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it and have kind of a wide range on there. <laughs> hey, my favorite kind of music is the stuff that blends genres. So I'm excited for yeah. this. Um, I want to go back to something you touched on a little earlier, which are the rewards you have on your pledge music campaign. Um, 
as you noted before, you can get different rewards for pledgers that receive different funding levels or, or that, that provi- pay at different funding levels. And mm-hmm. your campaign in particular has some really cool rewards <laughs> um, that I was just looking through like, oh, man, I want a, like five of these. Can, yeah. <laughs> can you tell can you tell the folks a little bit more about some of the rewards you have, including some of the really cool bigger ticket items? Yeah, there's things um, I think like the biggest ones are like I'll come to your city or whatever and play a full band show. Um, or there's like an acoustic house show on there too. I believe there's like a Nashville hangout day where you can come to Nashville and I'll just take you wherever, probably the Johnny cash museum, (laughs) but wherever (laughs) if you want to go, um, different things. I think there's like dinner before a show, like I'll, you know, go to one of my shows and then we can grab some dinner before, um, I did a thing. I recently learned how to make like coffee mugs where you can write on them and then make the, like stay on there. So there's like one of the smaller things is actually like a coffee mug that I'll write my lyrics on or, you know, whatever you want on it. Um, and just like hand make that for people. Well, that's and cool. yeah. And there's like a, you can get a cover song dedicated to you. I do covers a lot on YouTube. So, um, things like that. Like I'll write a song for you. Um, all kinds of things are on there. Yeah. Uh, any artists out there who are looking to set up a crowdfunding campaign of their own, uh, whether on pledge music, Kickstarter, any of those, and you're just hurting for good reward ideas, check out Megan Golden's page. She has a lot of <laughs> great ones there. Um, Thank you. so Megan, before we let you go, can you let everybody know where they can find you on social media? Yeah, for sure. So I have a website that's megangolden.com. Megan is M-E-G-A-N, and then golden is just like the color. Um, But I also have Twitter and Instagram, Snapchat. Those are all under Megan A. Golden. And then I've got Facebook that's just under Megan Golden. Um, I think that's about it. I'm basically, if you search Megan Golden on any social media site you can think of, I should probably come up. Um, or there's links to all of it on my website, megangolden.com. Very cool. Be sure to support that uh, Pledge Music campaign of Megan's at pledgemusic.com slash Megan Golden. Megan, we'd love to have you on again real soon. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you so much for having me. All right. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to reach out to us, shoot us an email at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Megan Golden for joining us in the previous segment. I love the cool college kids. I feel like they keep us young and hip, and it's not just a bunch of like middle-aged people podcasting, but we got like cool college kids, keep, too. Keep us young and hip. No, it points out that we're old. Oh, you, you think it's the opposite effect? It's the opposite effect. Well, that could very well be. Even though she is our golden guest, it was the opposite effect. Our golden guest. <laughs> you're really hanging on to that. That's uh, cool. So we're in the Dave block now, the D block. Yep. And so you can go home. You're not needed anymore. I know this is, this is where Dave shines. Where Actually, we, wait, it's funny. If I, I tell you to go home. You just go, okay, I, I am home. I'm home. I, I made am, it. I am home. <laughs> Take that. You, that was fast. <laughs> so, well, I know you hate it when I hijack your D block with but this is other not a topics. hijacking because this is, you know, we were trying to figure out when do we talk about this, but buddy, some breaking news here. And especially for those who know you, you got a new car. I did, yes. You've been driving around the same piece of crap since high school. Hey, that piece of crap is is part of my history. I, I was telling my wife when we were driving to the dealership, this car is basically the last connection I have to my teenage years. It was the car I had when I was 17 years old. Yeah. And, you know, now it's gone. And now, like, I feel like I've just fully transitioned into middle age now. But, yeah, that car was... Boo- on its last legs. Wait, what was the mileage? What was what the odometer read when he tested? Oh, guys, it's like close to hundred thousand miles. But oh, that's it. Well, because oh, okay. well, no, oh, you could have kept it going. Well, because I spent a couple years like not driving it because I was in law school. Oh, that's right, in New York City. But here's the thing with that car: like my relationship with cars, uh-huh. and I'm, I'm going to just admit a, a true failing of myself on the air. But my relationship with cars is the same relationship that. Do you remember the dentist's daughter from Finding Nemo? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I treat cars the way that she treats fish. 
Oh God! Like I do not take care. You murder of cars. Them. I yes. Like in fact, like when I walked into the dealership, like all the cars knew me and started getting nervous. Like they were they were <laughs> hiding in the corner so that I wouldn't see them. Oh God, not him! It's it's like the Simpsons when he pulls up to the <laughs> in the pink car to the valet. It's like. Sir, hello, sir. Do you want me to destroy this? Exactly. No, just put it in a good spot. <laughs> you know, yeah, the car was a disaster. Um, yeah, the, the roof was peeling. I mean, it was rusty. Your tires, like the rims were gone. Right. The air conditioner was shot. The transmission was bad. What year was it, by the way? It was a Ford Escape, right? 02, 03. Okay. And the the car would periodically stall. And so... <laughs> As, as, as my wife and I have our new car and we're driving away and like I see them driving our car, I assume off a cliff, but <laughs> like they're driving away with the car because we traded it in. And all I'm thinking is, okay, like we've signed the papers, right? So if that car stalls on them right now, like they can't take these backseats. I still don't even say how it's a trade-in. Like I don't even know what the, how, what the blue book on that can't be anything. The, the blue book on that, like I tried to get the blue book on my car and my computer caught fire. That's I mean, what happened. Because sometimes they do, like they send cars down to like South America and I'm not even sure if the drug runners want your car. <laughs> really? Haven't the people of our country suffered enough? Yeah. I don't think FARC is going to like be buying that. <laughs> this, this car was a mess. I'm pretty sure we had to pay them to take the car in the trade in. But... Yeah. But you got You got a nice new car outside. It looks pretty cool. Um, I'm happy. Now, here's, it's my first new car, yeah. Now, here's a weird thing, and I'm sure uh, our friends Evan and Elisa will appreciate this. I kind of... Uh, usually, it's like, oh, cool, you got a new car. Let's take a ride in it. But I don't, because that means you have to drive. So, what? I kind of don't want to How is... Car. You know, this is like this has happened amongst my circle of friends, where I have been pinned with the, the scarlet letter of bad driver. Okay. Like, what, what, what is this? Can I ask you a question? Why am I the bad driver? Right, did you, you went to law school, right? I did. And you graduated. You've got your doctor, right? I did indeed. And you were licensed to practice law in a few jurisdictions, right? That's right. So would you say you're an attorney? I would. Okay, the evidence points to you being an attorney, and you are, in fact, an attorney. I am, in fact, an attorney. Okay, you are, in fact, sir, a bad driver. Yeah. Okay. But what? I don't, I don't follow your logic. <laughs> All these things... You go to law school, you graduate law school, you take a bar exam, you pass it, you take another bar exam, you pass it, you take another bar exam, you son of a bitch, and you pass it. And oh, by the way, the greatest scam of them all, have your employer pay for it, you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> all these things say, I, Ryan Corella, am a lawyer. Right. Your driving history says, I, Ryan Corella, am a bad well, driver. I have already fully copped to admitting that I take terrible care of cars. Like, I mean, like that, like I, I, I basically traded in a smoldering pile of steel and cloth. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like handed the heap of steel and cloth that was on fire to this dealer. Yes. And that was my trade in. Like I'm copping to that. Yeah. But I mean, I don't get into a bunch of accidents. I don't get speeding tickets. Like I don't, I don't, I don't see why everybody says, Oh, Ryan's a bad driver. Because you just are, man. Okay, fine, fine. You just are. All right, that's fine. That's you fine. almost. We were in Sunset Place, like in college, and you almost ran into parked cars. And the fact, no, no, was it Sunset Place or was it actually, or was it one of the UM parking garages? Yeah, I'm hearing it a, was. But we're we're, we're it, the funny thing is like, oh, he almost ran into a car. It's like, well, but if it's tight, no, 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 no. there was one car. In the lot, in the garage, and you almost ran into that one. There was wide spaces everywhere else, and you almost ran into the one. You know, I'm hearing a lot of almosts from the other side of this studio. I've almost done things. All I'm hearing is, did not hit the car. Oh, okay. So you're saying that the guy, like, in the army that almosts <laughs> blows up his platoon with a grenade, the guy that almost launched the nukes one day, you want him around, obviously. That's that. I mean, all I see is a spotless record. <laughs> your, your your laughter's a knowing laughter that says you're right, Dave. I don't got to just stand on. Okay, all right. Well, you know, so. we, we we God be with you and your lovely wife Chuying, and hope we make it. <laughs> so can, I, can I tell you about the car purchasing experience? You're kind of being a little bit vague with it. Yeah, it sounds like uh... I'm a little pissed. Okay. Um, I get, okay, this, I'm, I'm not trying, like, I didn't fall off the car sales turnip truck. I know that car dealers are out to screw you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like you're a I, lawyer, you deal with contracts, yeah, you deal with this stuff yeah, all the time. I, These guys aren't, they should be scared of you. Yeah. 
I get it's a sharky transaction and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going in there. And so I expect that, you know, when I test drive the car and, you know, I'll, I'll say the car, I got a, I got a Honda Accord EX. A, a new one. A yeah. new one. Yeah. Well, and, 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 you know, I, I, I have been told that I could have, I, I, you know, I should have gotten something else, I guess, but I like that car. It's a reliable car. Well, it was interesting. I wasn't sure if, because you had this, this beater for so long. If you're going to say, I'm going to treat myself, I'm going to go Mercedes S-Class, I'm going to go Audi R8, I'm going to go McLaren P1. If you got, if you, oh God, Ryan, if you, if you ended up with McLaren P1, I would have punched you in the face. But like, what if I would have let you drive it sometimes? Oh, that's, okay. yeah, see. was that on the table? Well, do you know what McLaren P1 is? I have no idea. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, I think, I think it's like a million dollar car. Oh, yeah, slightly out of my price range. Okay. But no, here's the thing. Like, I, as I just said, I'm the dentist's daughter from Finding Nemo. Like, I'm going to destroy this car. And so I don't want to destroy, you know, a la Fight Club. I don't want to destroy something beautiful. Right. Like, you know, so I got something that's nice and economical. It's got some cool bells and whistles, but I'm happy with it. But when we, you know, we did the test drive thing, and then they make you wait in the room while they say that they're crunching numbers in the finance department, but really all they're doing is just sweating you out. Right, right. And... Um, I lease cars, and so I was, you know, I knew that this car leased for something in the low twos. Right. You know, 200 to 250 a month. Okay, so you didn't go crazy. You got like a base model type. Exactly. You know, that's, that's, that's how I roll. And so I'm, ex- you know, I get that these guys are sharks, and so they're not going to come and give me the offer I want. We're going to negotiate yeah, and you know because middle. you're a shark, too, it remember? It takes a shark to know a shark. Yeah, lawyers and car salesmen, sharks. <laughs> San Jose sharks. Can you keep going. What voice is that? I don't know. It's a shark voice. Okay. I would eat you with my teeth. <laughs> shark <laughs> Smell blood. Yeah. Okay. So so I'm expecting like, I don't know, they're going to come in and say 275. All right. And I'm going to say 200. We'll meet somewhere in the middle. They come into this room wanting 425 a month. For a base model? For a model? Honda Accord. And it really is like the base. It's not like, it's not, you know... Sometimes I'm like, oh, the EX, the EXS, the EXSL. Well, know? no, it's it's got it's it's not. I mean, it wasn't the EXL, so there's no leather, mm-hmm. cloth interior, and it's got oh. it's got some bells and whistles. Do you but have a sat nav. Uh, it's got Apple CarPlay, so you can. You know, okay, but it doesn't have its own independent navigation. I don't think so. But no, like I. Wow. I, well, no. Here's the thing. Twenty five. Right. Who are these bastards? Well, that's what I said. I was like, I mean, I, I honestly looked across the table from him, and I'm like, I mean, do you think I don't have Google? <laughs> Did you actually say that? Yeah. And that's why, and, and I get like maybe in the old days you could have like car salesmen could have gotten away with this crap yeah. because you know we don't know better, but like we have Google now. Like I know how much you should lease a Honda Accord for, and it's not what you would lease a Mercedes Benz for. Yeah, that's wow, that's bullshit. And so I immediately just send that guy out. I was like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I want to talk to the whoever your manager is that yeah. makes decisions. And I like, and, and I told this guy before we even got started, I was like, you know, would you have let me walk out of here? Like let's say I was like I don't have Google for some reason. You would have let me walk out of here paying four twenty a month for a Honda Accord, and he was just like, "Well, if that's what you were willing to pay for Wait, it." What's the sticker on the on the car? It's like twenty three thousand or something. Yeah, I, but were they still going to make you pay like a sixteen month lease? And it's like, hey, by the way, at crunch numbers, I think you charged me like fifty thousand dollars for a twenty thousand right, yeah. dollar car. Well, that's what like. And he, and, and he was right. So that's what he's like, like basically I would have paid like, you know, they, they wanted me to pay like 800 grand for this $24,000 car. And it should have walked out. Oh no. Well, and, and it's funny. Like that's what my, my wife was like so pissed that she wanted to walk my out. wife, my wife. She was so mad. She wanted me to walk out. And yeah. And I was just like, look, we've been here six hours. And like, I eventually like, I got so angry and like my anger was like influencing the negotiation that I actually got. I actually got them to agree to a lease price that was about $25 a month less than the true car lease price. Uh-huh. And so I felt happy coming out of there, but I was just so mad that like how like it's one thing to be a shark. Do you want to say the name of the dealership by the way? I don't. Okay. Well, it's one <laughs> thing to be a shark, but don't be a dumb shark. Like don't be a shark where you know that this is the age of Google. People know, people can find out easily you know, how much uh, this car should lease for. And don't try to go $150 a month yeah. hey, above boss. that. Hey, boss, I got a guy here. He's going to buy uh, one of our $20,000 cords. I think I can get him to pay $100,000 for it. <laughs> I'm doing good, boss, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and it was, just, it was just so aggravating. So 
Um, but no, I'm next I'm, time walk out and don't go back to that dealership. Well, yeah, I'm never going back again. Like there's many other Honda dealers and I'll find a better one. Yeah. Wow, when the lease bad. is up, hey, here you go. Bring it under miles. No extra payments. Here's the keys. Bye. Get the hell out of here. Exactly. That's what's yeah. going to happen. And you know, All I, right. I kind of wanted like a Honda dealership I could use for many years, but it ain't going to be these guys. Nope. Anyway, so sorry for hijacking. No, nope, that's right. Uh, now, okay, Ryan, we have a, um, I think we got a, a submission from a listener uh, needing some justice. Oh, yeah. In these difficult times, one man has the courage to fight for what's right. We are living in a society. Society has rules. He'll make the tough decisions so that we can live in a civilized world. And let Dave be the ultimate arbiter. If he finds out that you reserved a parking spot by standing in it, you'll suffer his wrath. That's against the rules of the parking lots. All rise for Dave, the ultimate arbiter. At least I'm not a crazy person. Well, I think I'm not a crazy person. You at home might be thinking, God, this guy's a crazy person. I miss this segment. We haven't done this in a while. So. I know. It, by the way, I was kind of just acting out my own stuff in my head here. Well, not, not in my head. You were seeing me do it. I kind of envisioned like a video graphic of me like r- being rotating on a pedestal with like my arms crossed, like looking, Wearing looking a robe. into the horizon, just like, yes, come to me. For justice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, can you give people just a quick synopsis of what this is? Because we haven't done this in a while and there might be some new listeners. So what is like, how did Dave the Ultimate Arbor get started? What I say goes. That's all you're going to give him? <laughs> Come on. Well, no, it's just, you know, there are situations that come up in uh, everyday life that, uh, you know, they need to be decided on. Some people have, like, differing opinions on how things are going to go, and that's great that they have opinions, but I don't give a crap about your opinion. My opinion is the one that matters. That's right. And I am the arbiter. This is – I, I realize we've mixed legal metaphors here, saying arbiter and court and certain – that, that technically these things don't actually – go together there's no such thing as like a court for our, like sort of like certiori in arbitration that's true but uh i don't care that's fair um but yes it's, so it's, it's, make up your own arbiter game show you bastard dave is the ultimate settler of disputes so yes. if you have like a difficult you know question that you need answered or if you have a dispute with two of your friends and you want david to solve it uh you can email your potential arbitration issue to break the business at gmail.com and Dave will arbitrate or arbit it for you. Yes. It's probably arbitrate. Yeah. Either way. So we had a Twitter Submission. listener yes. who submitted um, something for you to arbitrate. You want to? Yeah. So this comes to us from the jurisdiction of North Carolina, which uh, <laughs> may, will actually probably en- will enter into this, uh, as you will see, <laughs> that fact alone. <laughs> so, Ryan... Apparently, uh, our listener here likes to go to a place that has movies and bowling. Movies and bowling. So, Ryan, they've got a, a policy. Okay. For entering. Like, a lot of places have policies, right? You know, no sh- no shoes, no shirt, no service. Right. We did it. <laughs> it's kind of a tough word to say. I agree. You, you at home, we were kind of... <laughs> we got we fell into a little rabbit hole, like a minute, of... Uh, could, we couldn't pronounce no shoot, no shirt... Fush. Yeah, in our show prep, we were trying to say no shirt, no shoes, no service, and having trouble with it. Yeah, yeah, because we, we kept mispronouncing it. But yeah, you yeah. did well that time. Okay, yeah. Anyway, all right. So I'm just going to read out this policy because you know I'm, I'm going to. All right. So to our guests, appropriate attire is required at all times. Individuals not adhering to dress code guidelines will not be admitted. Management reserves the right to, at any time, refuse service to a guest who does not adhere to these guidelines. It is within management discretion to determine appropriate dress. Interesting. Okay. Address code for oh, yeah. movie theater. All right. The following are specifically not permitted. So now or automatically, these things are not permitted, but it's not the end-all, be-all. There's still our previous statement says that discretion is up to management. That's right. And so our listener wanted you to read this policy and let us know if they if you think it's okay. Because I think, what, what did he say? He, you know, he, I'm not sure if he wanted to wear his yoga pants. Not to wear his yoga pants or something. I don't know. Yoga pants. Um, all right. No skateboards, scooters, or shoes with attached wheels slash skates. Okay, that's fine. I guess you don't want a Xanadu situation. That could be pretty dangerous on a bowling alley, yeah. But I guess also that, that applies to then kids with the... Um, Wheelies? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the scooters... Well, well, I'll just read them all, then we'll pick on part one time. No backpacks or oversized bags slash duffel slash luggage. No athletic pants. By the way, I'm reading this. This is not... I'm yeah, not direct quotes. Else. 
no athletic pants, no sleeveless shirts, no headwear of any kind, with the exception of sports ball caps on with Bill facing forward. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the tyranny of the backwards cap. <laughs> no excessively baggy clothing, no clothing slash tattoos with visible profanity or objectionable art. After 10 p.m., all guests must be 18 years of age. Um, so you read this and you're thinking, okay, you know, policies and terms of entrance and everything. Mm-hmm. And you just sort of like, just like move about your day. But then you look, you start real, reading these and you start realizing what is prohibited and what management has discretion to do. And it's kind of really disturbing, right? You think they're targeting groups? I don't know. All I know is that, <laughs> well, just, well, no scooters. And it's just funny. I just thought about this and I'm pretty sure no one else thought about it. Now, are you, are you saying no scooters or because I think, you know, uh, the an ADA a compliance attorney would probably be like, excuse me, would mean no scooters. Oh, that's a good point. You know, like, like I mean, what about somebody who wants to bring their rascal? Yeah. In? ADA, that's the uh, Americans uh, with Disabilities Act. Yes, right. Yeah, correct. So, you know, yeah. Does, are they basically saying, yeah, we're not ADA compliant, you know, get the hell out of here. Basically, you know, walk on out of here, guy. Um. That was me being mean. This is them. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, no athletic pants. I mean, I, 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 I still really don't understand what the hell an athletic uh, pant athletic is. pants. I guess it's there was certain fabric or whatever. No sleeveless shirts. Okay, that's fine. I don't want to smell your goddamn pits. <laughs> you know? You're with them on that one. Yeah, yeah. No headwear of any kind with the exception of sports ball caps on with Bill facing forward. Oh, Oh, oh! Now, now oh. again, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on here. Now again, at first glance, you're like, "Well, what if I want to wear my hat backwards? Like, what? What does that do to, you know, make people not enjoy their bowling or movie experience?" Exactly. I don't know, but no headwear of any kind. Yeah, that includes, I would assume. A yarmulke. A yarmulke? For a Jewish person. Uh, a a uh, hijab. hijab. For uh, a Muslim woman. That would, uh, a turban for a Sikh. Mm-hmm. That any religious headwear of any kind for any denomination. Hmm. That's interesting. That seems troubling. That seems very troubling, Ryan. Um, no excessively baggy clothing. Excessively baggy. Baggy clothing. Oh, dude. <laughs> we, you think we don't want baggy clothing, guy? I mean, come on. For like a place for baggy clothing. Wait, wait, is that excessively baggy? Oh, get the, uh, you get the go. hell out! You gotta go. You and the disabled guy and the uh, the Jewish fella, get the hell out of here. <laughs> so, th- this is their policy. Yeah, this is the policy that was as, as I read it to you. <laughs> is as how it is here. Now, of course, I'm sure someone would say, "Okay, management discretion," but again. It, this is what it says here. The, the flat are specifically not permitted. Yeah, so there's no discretion here. There's no discretion. Specifically not permitted. Boo. Wow. Awful. No good. No bueno. Uh, yeah, and like we said, this is uh, in the wonderful state of North Carolina, which I'm not sure, listeners, if you've been up with the news <laughs> lately. They, they, have some, they have a checkered record with intolerance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm not sure if this is all one big part of it, but I don't know. Uh, I last time I was in North Carolina was like in the late '90s for some like vaca- family vacations, nice place and everything. Um, I see no need to go back, um, <laughs> and especially to see a movie uh, at this establishment. Listener, I think you're basically saying like, was this all foul? You know, yeah, this. This is not okay. Wow, a favorable ruling from the old, from the arbiter. That person must be feeling pretty good right now. I we hope they are. Yeah, because now it would be funny if you just try to test them out and see what happens. Because I think our listener was a uh, a gentleman of a uh, lighter skin mm-hmm. of a religion that uh, does not require headgear. Sure. So it'd be funny to see what happens if he just decides to wear a fedora. Yeah, I know. Because, like, you wear fedoras. I, I, I have been known to don a fedora or two in my day, but I guess these people would throw me out. I, I guess so, you know? Um, <laughs> well, fedoras kind of have a negative connotation these days. They tend to be associated with, like, certain kinds of, like, guys that 
Yeah, you're, you're a douchebag. Yeah, I know. They've like, I mean, those people have ruined the fedora. Well, I like also, a fedora just fine, and now I can't wear it because of how it's because the, the, the connotation. The, 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 the tiny douchebag fedoras. Wear an Indiana Jones fedora if you're going to wear a fedora, or one thing that your grandfather wore <laughs> in the 40s before he went off to war, you son of a bitch. Well, stop with this douchebag fedora. Well, let me say this, and, and believe me, I'm all for respecting the ruling of the arbiter. Uh-huh. You are the ultimate arbiter, and I think I think you're pretty much right here. But if I may volunteer this. Oh, that's right. I forgot. You were actually going to challenge me on well, something. Well, I first, I mean, no, you cannot, You like, no, I'm not with the not letting Jewish and Muslim and Sikh people wear their headgear in your establishment. That's messed up. I get where it's coming from because this place, a a establishment that has movies, bowling, games, and food, that sounds like the coolest place ever. And we don't really have those places in Miami, like a place that has all those things in one place. And I think the reason why is because stupid teenagers would ruin it. And so I get a, a, a list of rules that kind of keeps stupid, irresponsible teenagers out of your establishment. Well, the stupid, irresponsible teenagers have to leave by 10 p.m. anyway. Oh, I didn't. Oh, yeah. It must, well, well, then, you know, well, <laughs> nine, nine, 19 year olds, they're still teenagers. But like when I say stupid irresponsible teenagers, it could be like nineteen year olds too. Like no, no. But you're just talking. You want you're specifically talking about like thirteen to seventeen year olds. Like I, I don't I don't want like you know, middle school and early high school kids. Like that'll ruin this place. Yeah, with their hats. Well, but like like we can't like they can't have rules that say no stupid teenagers in our place because like that's that's you know that's not a bright line rule. It'd be too hard to measure, and so they're. They're doing the things that we associate with stupid teenagers. Yeah, but the, but they worded this so horribly. Where oh, I agree with that because they, they could have just had dress code subject to management discretion. End it. Yeah, done. Full Boom. stop. Boom, and then it's like fine, and then then it's like it's case by case basis. But because in bold letters, the following are specifically not permitted. No discretion. You know, headwear of any kind, with the exception of a sports ball cap on bail facing forward. That is it. It's the only thing allowed, apparently. That lets you... What? Like, okay, what is the difference between that and a yarmulke? In terms of... I want to argue, if you're saying someone's hat or headwear is going to ruin the enjoyment of anyone else doing something, a freaking yarmulke goes on the top of your head mm-hmm. and is smaller than a hat. And like, there's no bill, there's nothing. It's a freaking yarmulke. And then you, a lot of times you pin it on there so it doesn't fall off. Right. What... What? Why? Why is that person can't do that? But fucking, jo- oh, sorry. <laughs> but uh, Johnny Baseball over here, you know, crushing some bruises. This bro is totally allowed, bro. That's true. And I mean, this is North Carolina. Like, aren't there going to be folks that want to saunter in with a cowboy hat? Why? It's North Carolina. They don't. They don't do cowboy hats there. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. I like. Do I have Do I have North Carolina all wrong? I just assume if you were part of the old Confederacy, like people be wearing cowboy hats. Like, granted, not as much as like Texas and Tennessee, but I, I figured there'd be a couple cow Stetson donning folks walking through town. This is amazing to me. I am like, I, I'm literally dumbfounded. Do I have North Carolina that? all wrong? Are you telling me they don't wear cowboy hats in North Carolina? I'm sure there are people who wear cowboy hats in North Carolina. Like, there are people who probably wear cowboy hats in Miami, but no one says... Nobody wears cowboy hats I'm in I'm sure Miami. that person exists, all right? But the fact that your first thought of North Carolina was, oh, cowboy hats. Yeah. Because... Not my first thought. My first thought because is the North Carolina... LGBT intolerance. My second thought is cowboy hats. <laughs> okay, fine. After the LGBT intolerance of North Carolina, your your, your second thought is... Cowboy hats because of the bustling beef industry of North Carolina that would require cowboys. <laughs> yeah, because they're not rustling up cattle there. Oh, yeah, because when you, when you go to Grandfather Mountain, you know, up there, that's what you see. You see a bunch of cows sometimes just falling off the cliffs. <laughs> How many cows do you see in mountainous regions? They don't have cows in North Carolina. I, I, I'm sure a cow is in at least a cow is in North, the state of North Carolina. I don't think it's the thing they're known for. Kind of like New York State has cows. Do, I'm pretty sure no one goes to North Carolina or New York City like boy. I want to tell you, I want to go to the capital, cowboys. New York City, New York City. Nice reference. Yeah. If anybody gets that reference, that's funny. 
North Carolinians listening, any any North Carolinian within the sound of my voice, email us breakthebusinessgmail.com. Yeah, we should, should, we, should we ask the droids? You want us to call the droids and ask them if they have cowboy hats? Well, they'll probably well, they, they have cowboy hats, but you know, I, I I just I'm really having a funny time. Email think- us at breakthebusiness@gmail.com. Our we'll, we'll phrase it this way: Are cowboy hats something that is commonly worn in North Carolina? That's the is, is that a fair way to structure the question so that I don't win just because one dude in Raleigh happens to be wearing a cowboy hat at some point? I guess I'm just it's still it's funny that you think one of the original thirteen colonies was a cowboy colony or something. No, it's, it's in the South, and people in the South they're cowboys. Okay, does that mean Georgians are cowboys? South Carolinians are cowboys? You know they don't wear cowboy hats in Georgia. You realize that there are different climates and different like geographical features, right? No, but I, like there's not a lot of cow grazing in the swamps under, and marshlands no, in the low country of South Carolina. No, but I get it, but 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 cowboy culture, that kind of culture, I feel like is permeating throughout all those states of also, the old Confederacy. Also, also, but let's just take a history lesson here. <laughs> what was the main industry in a lot of these states in the South? Cotton. Yeah, not cow grazing. There are plenty, the fields are full. The, the real estate is being used for cotton, so the uh, um, workforce can, you know, <laughs> so, so like the slaves could use. There's no cows. That's Texas. I'm just saying. Let's let the listeners, because we're neither of us are North Carolinians. Let's get some North Carolinians to email us, and we can settle this. So I know. E- I just find it funny that that was your first thought. Oh, North Carolina cowboys. It wasn't my first thought. No, that's right. It was the LGBT. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So uh, we got the listeners on that. Our thanks to Megan Golden for joining us in the previous segment. Our thanks to senior editor of The Hollywood Reporter, Eric Gardner, for joining us in the first segment to help us break down the Philip Phillips thing. My thanks to you, my friend, Dave. Oh, my God. It's always a pleasure. And congratulations on the new car. Use it in good health. (laughs) Remember, just because you're not going to smash it doesn't mean you're a good driver. All right. <laughs> Thank you for that uh, nice uh, pat on the back to my confidence. Um, I'll welcome. always feel I'll feel terrible for the rest of the day now. Thank you all very much for listening to the Break the Business podcast.